May the force be with you is a phrase used to wish a person well to overcome a challenge. The invitation in this podcast, May the Life Force Be With You, is to explore what it means to truly feel alive, to appreciate the physical, emotional and spiritual connection to our energy, and finally to understand how this impacts who you are and all that you do. May this conversation inspire you to thrive. This episode of May the Life Force Be With You is brought to you by Moment Company and The Moment Pebble. The Moment Pebble is a beautiful, natural stone, light-guided breathing device and is a unique gift for someone who needs that gentle reminder to stop and take a break, to take moments throughout their busy day and to practice mindfulness. Just head over to momentcompany.co, that's momentcompany.co and enter the code LIFEFORCE at checkout to receive an exclusive 10% podcast discount. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of May the Life Force be with you and we have another another awesome guest with us today who I will get Karila to introduce in just a second um, but I guess just to set the scene for this conversation I'd just like to set the intention that we invite whatever crazy chat comes up today we invite all <laughs> positive energy uh we literally as a trio right now don't have a clue what we're going to talk about and i love that and i'm excited (laughs) by that so that is our intention today is to let it flow and see where the conversation takes us so karila over to you I am so excited to have Jimmy Boswell on may the life force be with you Jimmy is my barber like I never got my hair cut when I had hair and now I'm obsessed with getting my head shaved because going to the barber is so much more fun than going to the hairdresser especially when it's Jimmy's barbershop because it's just there is so much a life force in that barbershop like everybody there loves cutting hair loves music loves punk loves community loves Brighton and um like I've gone to Jimmy for years and I've seen him go from this, like from renting a chair in a tattoo parlor to this oh, yeah. uh, barbershop with all these barbers in it. And on top of that, <laughs> he ha- he's not like me and him just chat about our, the crazy differences in our lives. And um, as well as having this amazing barbershop that is one of the life force hubs of Brighton, He's also in three bands, <laughs> three bands, Rough Nuts, Young Francis Hi-Fi and Top Left Club. I mean, you've got to have a lot of life force energy, Jimmy, to do that, that barbershop and free bands. How it definitely takes up, uh, I, I get asked that a lot, um, it takes up a lot of energy to do it all. But I guess it's one of those things where you don't even think about it. You just kind of do it. And it, it, I've, I'm guilty of not saying no a lot to stuff. You know, if I, if I see an opportunity to do something, it's like why I'm doing this and, and you know, me doing something at nine in the morning is crazy. So like, to, do, <laughs> to do something like this. And, <laughs> usually I'm like just like passed out at this point, but um, not in like a drunk way, just in a, I don't start work till 11. So, you know, I'm getting up at like half 10. But it's a... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's just I, I I like keeping busy. 
and doing three bands and having a business is definitely a very good way to keep busy all the time. <laughs> I feel like those three, I, I feel like bands, you know, music, performing, and I've seen you perform, you're an amazing performer. And hair, like there's something about life force energy in all of these things, you know, like I, I don't even know which way to go down because I'm like, when you put, you know, we were talking actually yesterday that when, you know, when you go on tour or when I go on journey, the kind of come down after it, after that, because yeah. there's so much life force energy coursing through you when you're performing, you know? It, it really is. It's a, it's that we're talking about the post tour blues and that is that kind of, it, it's, it's something that the more I tour, the more, I, you know, when I first started, I had no idea about this thing called post tour blues. I was just out there like, yeah, like what's going on? This is amazing. I'm in this place, I'm in that place. And you get back and you sort of, it, it's that reality is that real life comes back in and you're sort of like, oh shit, like I have to be normal me now and the more i do it the definitely the, the learning to deal with it in different ways so sometimes coming back off tour i'm just straight back into work and straight back into like you know the, the normal routine i guess and uh it, it it's still no matter how much i try to be prepared for it or the, the post-tour blues or how much i try to sort of fight it it still happens because it's that difference of I think being 100% 100 mile an hour go to being 100% 100 mile an hour go in a different setting. I think that's the difference of it. Like definitely in terms of performance and in terms of cutting hair, it's not about, I think I'm a people pleaser. I like making people happy and whether that's through cutting hair or entertaining on stage, it's definitely, yeah, I, I just, I just really enjoy it. I just really enjoy making people smile. And I've been like that since school. It was always the kind of every school report was the uh, shows potential but distracts others. <laughs> every year. I think it's like you find the perfect outlet between music and and cutting hair then and it's interesting to me because they're both connection to people but in a very different way um so my, my dad was yeah. a was an orthopedist um a podiatrist and so he basically had a patient an hour and sometimes I just think he he just loved the chat and he could have probably cut the toenails yeah. in 10 minutes but he just liked to tell the stories <laughs> and loved the connection with just having you know it's almost like so I, I guess I wonder if their barbers are, are often stand-up comedians as well because you basically have a repertoire stage which I'm sure is what my dad had I heard him telling jokes all the time where you have a captive audience you've got that really personal connection one-to-one -one that yeah. you have with cutting someone hair it's such a personal thing versus being on stage and it's a one-to-many connection that you have to have so it's different kind of energy required is a form of entertainment but actually very different one's very intimate and one's very no, on mass i guess or maybe maybe they're both very intimate connection that you have when you're on stage no, i think i think i think you're spot on with that like what i've never thought of it like that yeah because one is very intimate and the other is 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 a complete different thing and funny enough about the stand-up comedy thing you said you know over 
the that last last year maybe the year before i started actually thinking about trying to do stand-up comedy because i thought i chat so much shit at the shop it's probably good that i get out on the stage and do it somewhere like without the music thing and i started writing you must some have sort so of much material from the shop the, it, it, the problem I have is I always forget stuff like so I've actually funny enough the last three months what I've been doing is anytime I've said something at the shop that's inadvertently makes someone laugh I kind of take a mental note and I've been writing it down because the thing I've always had is I forget my my brain is like a sieve sometimes and I'm like you know I'll say something funny and later on I'll be like what was that <laughs> I can't remember it at all so I've been trying to write it down because I think within this year I'd like to try and do one stand-up set and i don't think it would be a kind of joke one i think it would just be telling stories and and I seeing how that. it goes I'll but it's uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's the scary thing i think like i think yeah i'd have to do it down here i think like I, the scary thing about it for me is it's quite a vulnerable like on stage for bands you've got an instrument in front of you, you might have three or four other members of the band with you so you feel a bit more protected maybe a little bit more and also, if you do a joke on stage with a band and it doesn't land, you can just play music and then hopefully they forget. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to put myself in. That's one of the things I want to do this year is put myself in more positions of stuff where I'm uncomfortable, I guess, like this. I mean, I'm not feeling uncomfortable now, but I definitely was. I was sort of sitting there last night going, what, what am I? What have I signed? <laughs> what, what kind of what is this going to be? And it's uh, yeah, I think I want to just put myself in different positions this year that I wouldn't normally do I think I'm always striving for that next I don't know dopamine hit or something <laughs> I think that's sort of what it is I've done comedy before I've done stand-up before and it is oh, wow. terror of all of the performance I have done in my life yeah I used to run a comedy night in Brighton and oh my god! I learned there. something new today. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was good. Apparently, I have a thing with film titles because <laughs> the comedy night that me and my friend used to run was called "If It Bleeds, We Can Kill It." <laughs> which is <an> <laughs> <laughs> These are all good films that you're quoting, though. I like this. <laughs> yeah, apparently, like, that's just what happens with. <laughs> um, and um, so I've done it and it's terrifying. Like of all of the types of performance, there is something when you do like, because the feedback, there's no lie in the feedback, you know, like mm. are people either going to laugh or they don't. And every comedian is going to have moments where they, they crash, where they flop. Oh, where it yeah. yeah. And like there is this like real journey of, being vulnerable that happens in comedy that doesn't happen in any other type of performance because like you say you can just like strum a guitar or like yeah. you can just you know like you're you haven't got that clear intention that you are there to make the audience laugh like most other performance you are there to take them on a journey and so it's not so black and white you know um and, and you also have to get quite an extreme reaction from people on this which I hadn't thought about it, but I actually went to a comedy night here in Australia a few weeks ago. Um, and the guy was a carpet cleaner of the year 2012. So it's actually quite funny. So his folks were all about carpet cleaner. Um, and he's got into stand-up. But he was saying, you know, he was a friend of my friends. And, and he was saying afterwards, it's like, unless people actually physically laugh out loud. And he actually made the joke going, unless you guys laugh out loud, 
I'm dying up here because you can all be smiling and grinning, <laughs> but unless there is like a really big reaction, you, you have to get someone to physically laugh out loud, then, you know, you don't know they're having a good time. It's a really hard, hard thing to kind of get that engagement. It's like, great, you're all smiling. That doesn't help me laugh <laughs> silence is deafening you know especially on a uh, on a stage like, well what i can imagine on a stage like comedy i mean it's hard enough if you play you know yeah, we're playing in bands time. and you could do a really good song and you feel like you've put everything into it and you feel like it can be the best you've ever played it and then just there's what one person yeah, this is a bit like, oh no, <laughs> like, you know what we we, we fucked that one up, haven't we? But there's a definite. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think comedy for me is is, is one where it, it, I've always thought about doing it. I mean, even though my my colleague Buck, who who works with me, I mean, he always tells me my jokes are terrible. But you know, I don't <laughs> listen to him. So he, he's. Uh, but I think it is. It's definitely a thing in a barbershop where you've got someone there, and and you know, you're saying about your dad, sort of could probably do stuff in 10 minutes but makes it longer i do i did this with your haircut yesterday <laughs> it was like we always chat so i'm like i could do yours in, in like 10 minutes like, now nah, we have a nice chat i'll put half hour into it you know and we'll just and then it is nice because i've i learned i think my favorite thing about my job is meeting new people and is um just learning about people's lives and and it's a unique way to do it. i mean i before this i i used to run pubs which is a similar you learn the same thing, but just in a kind of just with piss people instead. <laughs> I mean, maybe in the shop as well. I don't know. I don't know what people do before they come in, but it's definitely. People, people open up to hairdressers, though, hey? Like, there's something oh, yeah. about the intimacy yeah. of your hair being touched that just makes you talk. Like, and I want to go there. Um, but I just want to say that I, I love that you're choosing to become more vulnerable this year because I feel like I was thinking about like why you know when we were talking about the like um post-tour blues I think it's the the vulnerability that gives you this surge of life force energy when you're on journey when you're on tour when you're you're on the edge of yourself when you're performing the like the vulnerability seems to like surge life force energy through you so much so that there has to be a crash, you know, because you can't hold that level of life energy when you come home. And it's just, as we're talking, I'm like, there's something to do with vulnerability and, and more life force energy. And I think that in society, we are very taught to be safe. Um, and not oh, yeah. to be vulnerable. but it makes me want to share one of my favorite root words which Fiona's going to smile about because she knows I'm obsessed with root words do you know what the root word of vulnerability is no 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 you're gonna love this Jimmy I'm so glad this is on your episode the root word of vulnerability is Valhalla no shit yeah yeah which is the heaven of the Viking warriors. So in the Viking times, there was this heaven that was reserved for people that died in battle. The rainbow bridge. Of heaven. And like you got Valhalla is where you got to be with Odin and you got to go out and battle every day and then feast every night. Basically never come down from the tour. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and like for me that root word changed my life 
because I was like, so if I'm vulnerable, I will get to my own personal heaven. Like every yeah, time that's I, cool. yeah. it's going to take me to the heaven of the warrior to the, it's, it's going to cause me maybe to die or change, but it's also going to take me to the heaven of the warrior. And then I feel like when you're vulnerable, you have, you go into an energetic state of Valhalla, which is why when you're performing, like, I know you've done some big gigs this year to like loads of, you know, like the France gig, um, which must've been like so vulnerable for you because it was a bigger crowd than you've had before. And, you know, like, but I presume that then you're getting this like level of energy and level of life force energy because of that vulnerability that is like a Valhalla state. It's, I, that- I could, yeah, I, I could know. I could definitely see that in that way, especially that, that kind of, I mean, funny enough, it's, it's, it's harder to play to six people than it is to mm-hmm. play to like 6,000 people. Mm-hmm. When you go out to 6,000, which was the most I've ever played to, and it was going out there, and it's it's just you, you might be able to see the first couple of rows of faces, but then beyond that, especially at night time, you, you can't see anything. It's just a kind of I mean, you know, it's thousands of people, but because there's, there's no. I don't know, you kind of just wash it away and think oh, it doesn't matter, you know, but when there's I mean, we played a gig last week, the same band, the top left club. This was top left club last year in France. We played thousands of people two uh, two days in a row. And then last Wednesday, we played in London to about literally like 10 people in a room that could probably hold <laughs> a couple of hundred people. And it's, uh, you know, and you sit there and you go, well, it's a, it's a Wednesday night. It's January. It's that, you know, and you kind of justify all these reasons why no one showed up. But that is the kind of the difficult mm-hmm. bit to perform at the same level. Now, we always say whether... And this is all the bands I've done. We've always had a saying, five or 500, you play the same show. It doesn't matter if it's two people, 2,000 people, two million, but you come out and you perform the same way. You you, you want to be seen that you want to be there because we do want to be on stage. And there's nothing worse, I think, than when I, I, I had a mate that put on a gig last year in Norwich, and I wasn't there for it, but um, they put it on. And the headline band for the Sunday of the weekend had turned up saw that there was only about 20 people and they left. And I just thought, fuck you, man. Like, how can you, you know, these people are paid to see you. Even if it's only 10 people, they've paid to see you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's their money that they've come out. They've come out of the house on a cold January night in this term, you know, to come down and see you. So you owe it to them to put everything of yourself on the stage because it's that's what they're there for. And I, I'm I'm a full advocate of, but it is, but it is a kind of, when you are getting on stage to 10 people and you have to go, okay, right. You know, let's, let's, let's pump yourself up and do it. What I'm hearing is that like the more people there are, the more life force energy is in the room or in the field or in the space. And when you're performing, and I know this from my own performances, when you're performing to less people, your life force energy is having to supply that space and that atmosphere. Yeah. yeah I see that. Yeah. So you're having like summon more of your own energy up to to whereas when there's more people you can ride the the energy of those people and co-create a more energizing space that's what that's what i think anyway 
I thought I'd, I'd agree with that. Like that's a, I think that's a, I've never thought about it that way for sure. Like that one in France last year, I remember standing backstage and we had come up with this whole convoluted intro where where we there was sort of the rest of the band were doing these moves and then I come on and you, you know the, uh, there's a bit in Blues Brothers when he comes out on stage and he's got the uh, briefcase handcuffed to his hand and he gets the harmonica out and I did that with my synth and I, I got the guy that runs our <laughs> label and I said to him in French uh, you know I speak very little French but I said you know do you know Blues Brothers he was like yeah and I showed him the handcuff and I was like you unlock this he's like yep so we did this whole sort of bit and I, I felt I walked out on that stage and I saw the thousands of people there and I just thought fuck yeah <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna smash this and I felt less nervous than I do for less people but I think that's uh yeah I can see that because I, I think I was especially last Wednesday you know I was really going hard to try and fill that room up because it was an empty room and it was you know <laughs> it was hard to fill but, but we did it and afterwards we always get people saying you know that, that great performance stuff like that and I'll, yeah I'm proud of that like definitely it's it's um yeah I, I have I, do love I have it. a friend who's I have a friend who's dead now. He used to write for Kerrang magazine. Oh, and like yeah. he was he had to leave because he would review people so harshly that like people would come up to him in gigs and like pour beer over him and like girlfriends, wags oh, wow. would be like, Fuck you what you did to my boyfriend's band. And he he but he was like, I will not give a band a good review if the performance they did is the same as what I could have listened to on my CD. It was back in the days. Yeah, no, definitely. He was like, yeah. if people are paying to go to a gig, there has to be more than what I can listen to at home. Otherwise, oh, they're definitely. not getting a review. And so he would have given you a good review. <laughs> it was hard, which was hard to get out of him. He was like, if, it's, if, if there isn't more than just the music, why, why are people paying for a gig? you know it's a show like you have to put on a show like and that and that's that's what it is for me i mean we record stuff um like 10 bpm slower than we play it live purely so when people see us live they're like oh well that they cool they give that a bit more energy and, it, and it's <laughs> you know it, 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 that's our bass player that did that he was like no always record it slower so you can play it faster live and i was like oh that's quite a good idea you know it makes a bit more i've actually thinking about what you're saying about reviews I've got a friend who um, he's like this old Swedish guy and he's like an old, old punk dude. And he uh, he's the only person that gives me honest reviews. The one, one of the things I hate is when you know you've had a subpar show, um, maybe something's broken, maybe the you know, when you're doing a good show and then an amp breaks, cool, the energy just, you know, it, it comes straight down and it's hard to keep it going and make it seem like everything's okay you know five seconds on stage can feel like five minutes and and it's it, sometimes after you have a bad show and people come up and they go oh great show man great show and you're sort of like well it wasn't you know and it's in my head I know it wasn't and I don't feel like I've performed to the best of my ability so I've got a friend who after playing sometimes it will see me I go how was that and he's like it's okay <laughs> you know? and I go okay okay and, I, uh, and young Francis our first bunch of gigs he saw us probably the first four gigs and the first gig he went mm, it's, it is okay but you need more of this 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 and this I thought okay so I come back the next show and he went mm, a bit better and it wasn't until about the fourth show where I came up to him afterwards and he just went 
<laughs> and I got the thumbs up and the nod, and I was like, okay, that was good. I know, you know, he's the only person that gives me honest reviews, and I, I, I'd much rather blunt honesty than, you know, someone just sort of blowing smoke up my ass for the sake of it, because it's, it, 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 you know, when you know being on stage, if if you fucked it up, you know it. <laughs> it's definitely a scary place to be. Do you, do you play make? I'm sorry, this is like quite a deep question, but I guess we're on a life force be with you podcast. But do you do you play? Do you create? What's important for you when you create music? Is it the music, the experience of playing, recording, or or is it the live connection? Like, what 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 kind of got you into it in the first place, and what gives you that that buzz? For me, it's the live thing for sure. Like I, in terms of rehearsal and recording, that's like my least favorite thing to do. I know I have to do it, um, so I'm cool with doing it. And sometimes rehearsals can be really fun. Sometimes they can be really frustrating. It depends what what you're doing. If you're writing or if you're rehearsing a, a set that you've known for years, um, and and it's funny that uh, there's a guy Liam who is I'm in all three bands with. I used to live with him. Um, and we've we're an old band together. We've toured every tour I've ever done has been with him. And uh, we he way prefers the recording, the rehearsal to the playing live. And I way prefer the playing live. I like could ne- if I could never rehearse, I'd be happy because I can just get on stage and do it. And I've, I'm really jammy in the fact that I don't have to practice a lot. I don't practice at home at all. Like Liam is all night. <laughs> Every night he plays for about two hours a day and he sits down. He's like, if I don't do this, then I I can't remember it. And I just rock up and just do it. <laughs> like, but I think it's the way my brain's wired is kind of I just remember how to do stuff. So for me, it is fully the live experience. It's the but then on tour, my favorite part is the the driving and, and the seeing stuff and, and the kind of meeting people. And, you know, the, the performance is a great part of it. But I love uh, I love going to places that you'd never ever go before. Like I've been to Newcastle under Lime. I don't know if anyone's been there before, but I've, <laughs> <laughs> but I've been to some weird places. <laughs> My I, favorite. I'm going to ask you about that moment that you describe when the amp breaks and the energy yeah. drops. I feel like that's a drop in life force energy. Oh, that, oh, it feels like everything. The, the silence is oh. What What would you say? Like, given that you've lived that experience of something being there and then something suddenly going, just what do you? What would you say that something is? Because this show is all about trying to under, trying to go down the rabbit hole of what life force energy is. I, I think it's a a thing where. I, I, I mean, for me, if I watch another band and I see it happen, it's empathy. It's definitely a kind of like, it's a, oh, I know how that feels, you know. And and it's funny when I watch a band and I see, like, you know, let's say an amp break or someone's string break and they, and they all have to stop for a minute. When I see that live, watching a band, I, I don't feel like it's awkward and I don't feel like, you know, it's I'm just in the audience going, oh, yeah, shit happens, you know, that sort of, it doesn't matter. But then when you're on the stage and you feel it, I think there's a big difference to it, you know, and and I don't know what it is. I don't think that the audience think we're stupid or I don't think the audience are feeling sorry for us, maybe some of them. But I definitely, I think it's that 
stop of like the there's a flow in a, to a gig there's a kind of every set that we write in every band you, you look at your 11 to 14 songs and you go well we can't put this song at the beginning because that's not a song that goes at the beginning that's a song that goes at the end and and the amount of times we've had to rejig a set to make it what we feel is the best set we can do i think it's when something are oh, the, the worst thing is like you know we we played a gig last year where we turned up at the venue and the guy was like just so you know guys the the, the gig's running an hour and a half late and we were like an, an hour and a half late like how how do you even manage that like you know 10 minutes late half an hour late maybe but an hour and a half late and uh, and I said an hour and a half, mate. I said, how did that happen? And he said, oh, there was a fight earlier. And I was like, I was like, what was it? Rocky Twelve. I was like, how can a fight last forty five <laughs> minutes? Like, you know, or an hour and a half. I was like, was everyone just sitting there, like, you know, this, this that doesn't make sense. Eventually, we get on stage, and the band before us play, and after four songs, the promoters going, you know, and we were like, oh, yeah, and cut the music, cut the music, and we thought, oh, this isn't going to be good, is it? So we got up and we played four songs out of twelve. And the promoter comes up, no, no, guys, that's it, that's it, sets over. And that, I was pissed off at that because I was like, you know, you, you've got us to come down here. We, we're, we're with a load of friends. and that, that whole, that gig felt weird. You know, it was one of those ones where the second I got there, I thought, this, this doesn't feel it's right. right. Something's right. off here. Yeah, they're, they're just no one knew what they were doing. The sound guy, you know, uh, I said to him, I said, oh, you're right, mate. We've got three along the front and this and two guitars. And you went, three what along the front? I was like, microphones. Like, that's a standard thing in gig life. Three along or two along the front, three along the front. That's what you say for microphones. And he was just, he had no clue. And I thought, oh, shit, this, you know, this, this is going to be interesting. So the next day we messaged the promoter and we say, hey, hey mate, but thanks for yesterday. I don't know why we thanked him. And then said, is there, is there any chance we can get some petrol money just because we've driven for this? He said, oh, no, there's no money in this gig. And it's not all about money, but, you know, petrol, you kind of, you need money to pay for petrol. And that's saying that we, I mean, look, we're not under no illusion here. We know that we're never going to be millionaires from this. We know we're never going to make Why any living money. I mean, maybe, you know, that, that would be, it would be amazing. But I think out of real, realistic, you know, even big, big bands nowadays, even if you have to tour nine months a year to make minimum wage as a big band, if you don't have any other job, you know, you, you, it's crazy. There's just no, even for bands that are super successful playing massive festivals, there isn't any money in it unless you are like just, mega, mega. But I think that that's so sad. And Kareel and I have talked about, or sad, I don't know if that's the right word, wrong. <laughs> it's probably more the right word because yeah. Kareel and I have talked about this before around money. And we've actually got a money expert we're going to be talking to in a couple of, um, episodes time oh, and interesting. just that exchange like you're doing something you're bringing value you're bringing your energy you're lifting the room you're creating you're you know and when you're saying about having that flow of the set you're you've thought about how you want someone to feel when they and you know when you're playing you've curated this whole experience you bloody well should be paid for it there's an exchange yeah. there that yeah. should be yeah. appropriate to the amount of positivity that you're putting out there and the experience that people are having i think it's wrong that musicians these days and art in general isn't yeah. you know giving more prominence and we you know i blame the digital age and that we expect things for free but there's a lot yeah. of hard work in you know driving up to newcastle upon line that goes into creating yeah. 
attitude. <laughs> and I completely, completely agree because also, like, as we're talking about this, it's like we should be valuing things on the life force cost. Like, what is the life force cost of mm. however many people in a band going, traveling f- yeah. for hours? And then, you know, we've just talked about how, like, a performer has to use their life force energy to fill the room. Like, that is, you know, life force is valuable. That's your, I believe, like, quite a lot of of the top performers don't live very long because of how much life force energy they spend on that performance. I mean, God knows how scared. Still alive. (laughs) But, like, (laughs) it's just, like, the... The the we talk a lot on May the Life Force be with you that your life force is your most precious resource, and to share it with others, like which which happens in all of the arts, like that is the greatest thing anybody can give to somebody else. Yeah, like wake up their life force energy, and it's like, and in society, like Fiona's saying, we don't value it. Like we don't want to pay for that. And it's, it's so always much it's always interesting because it does cost like petrol costs money, rehearsal costs money, recording costs money, and it isn't like we don't go out there to do this to say right we've spent you know let's say I don't know we spent a grand on this recording so we have to go out and make a grand of of music because it, it doesn't work like that you know that those French shows we did last year was probably the, the highest paid shows we ever did but once you factor in um you know we had to spend an extra. We got a free hotel for a couple of nights, but because we came in night early, we had to pay it ourselves. So you put a hotel cost in, your driver cost in, your van hire cost, the the cost for the channel tunnel, the cost for the petrol, the cost for stuff. At the end of it, you know, we kind of we don't make a lot of money out of it. But then let's say we get paid, you know, say like a grand for a show, which it doesn't happen in England. It happens more in, in Europe. But say you get paid a grand to do a big show. You're only going to see after costs a couple of hundred quid out of that. And then with that, you go, well, we're not going to split it between. So I've never, we never take money out of the band pot for ourselves. It always goes back into the band. Um, you might be left enough money to make some T-shirts and then you can try and generate a bit more money for the next tour by selling T-shirts and stuff. So it's a kind of balance of you have to run it as a, you know, not as a, I wouldn't say a business, but to an extent. A business to an extent of you have to think about where your costs are going to come and, it, and england is just terrible for it you know, we got offered a gig last year in where was it it was somewhere like like limington spa or something like that so you know for, from brighton that's a good couple of hours drive two three hours and then coming back again and and the guy was like oh we'll, we'll give you 60 quid and we said do we mean a hundred minimum because that's what the petrol's going to cost. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to split 25 quid each and go, oh, we got him. You know, it's like, we, that's for the for the petrol. And we said to him, you know, dude, it's going to be 100 quid minimum. And he messaged back saying, oh, yeah, don't worry about it then. And we thought, yeah. you know, it's, it's, like, it's okay. Like, we, we won't come up then. But some promoters, uh, most promoters are great. You know, most promoters are really good, especially... Uh, there's a guy down in Brighton called Neil Smith who does a night called Stay Sick. And his it's kind of the reason I moved to Brighton was his night because we used to go to it. Um, I'm only from about an hour and a half north of Brighton. We used to drive down on a Saturday night or Saturday day and we would go to these nights of his. And it's kind of the reason I moved here because I thought, 
you know, what am I doing back home? This is this is where I need to be. This is where stuff's <laughs> happening. And this is and it was always a dream of mine to play his shows. And now I've done, I don't even know, like maybe 50 of his shows or something over the last you know, 10 years. And it's uh, and he he's really good for us. You know, like it, he'll pay us for, to play a hometown show. He'll play us more than pretty much anywhere else in the UK, and he'll, and at the end he's always like, "Is that okay? Is that enough? Is that?" And you're like, "Yeah, dude, but like, you don't have to pay us this much, you know." But he is someone that, you know, I think for every really good person, you've probably got about five bad. But once you start to know who to play for, that's that's when it gets a bit easier, you know, a bit more rewarding, not financially, but rewarding in the case of you feel valued, you know, you you, you feel like someone's appreciated you which i've liked which obviously everyone likes that which is so important because like you know the life force course is big which is where you get the blues yeah. after oh, you know yeah. like yeah. because yeah. you spanked it all do you know what i mean yeah. like that's that's what the blues are you you blasted it you know i do um, find my life is a lot of kind of I, I, i'm trying to last year was a lot better at it is trying to figure out like take a step back and go no this is i'm feeling this because of this i'm feeling that because of that and sort of being like and i definitely think you know that that like using up that that energy on on a tour is cause it's not just even the performance it's the getting up you know you don't like people don't see the unglamorous side of it that there's a great meme somewhere and it's like it says, oh, brilliant, you're in a touring band. You must see so much. And then there's four pictures, and it's like a motorway, a service station, a toilet, and a really bad backstage room. And you're like, yeah, that's that's really what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> but we love it. Like We toured Germany last year, and, and I love Germany. It's somewhere where, I mean, they do the best beer in the world. Everyone's really friendly. Everyone's really kind of up for it and you get a thing called uh, German compliments which is one of my favorite things in the world which is a yes that was a pretty good show six out of ten and you're kind of like <laughs> <laughs> is that good you know <laughs> it's, I love it or one one of them was good was that uh, we played with a German band once and after our set he said he comes up to us he goes I mean your sound check you were shit but that was okay <laughs> 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 and anyone that's toured germany you can tell them german compliments and they'll go oh yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> but it is a oh, I, love, I love that place love it love it but you do meet so many people and you have you know once you're in deep deep dark somewhere like france or germany is like where you know you go to berlin everyone speaks english you don't need to worry about a thing you know you kind of go there but when you're in like a tiny little town like we were in a town called Schwelin once and that was no 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 one you know that was really kind of we're walking through the town like aliens you know people just because we've got long hair and like leather jackets or something and people were staring at you as you go past and and you kind of try and talk to a crowd and it's just there's just nothing going that's something we always get in in uh, abroad in Europe is people say you know you have to slow down when you're on stage talking because we yeah. can't understand you. But I think that's why you're so adrenaline filled up. You're like, okay, yeah, we're this bad. We're doing this. And I was just like, oh, we have no idea what you said. But the music, it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jimmy, oh, like, you're doing all this track. So you're not just gigging in this country. You have three bands. You also have Jimmy's, which is yes. mass, like five days a week. 
massively busy, booming, huge business to, to like most people can only do one of those things. Like how do you have the energy to do all four of these things? I, no, you- I don't even drink caffeine. Like, I'm, I'm caffeine free. I just, I, you don't I think, I, no, no, I literally, I just drink water pretty much. Yeah, I don't do caffeine at all. Like, I've only just got into chai lattes, but that was like two months ago. Awakening. You were with a you were in there, weren't you? Yeah, you were in there. I remember. <laughs> it's all starting. I know. It's, this is. It's all going now, isn't it? Like this is it. Like, but, <laughs> I, but I just. I've never. I don't know. I, I think for me, a lot of it was when I was younger. I used to. I felt very, you know, it's that classic thing, you know, feeling trapped in a small town. I think that so many people, that is a common thing of the world is is to be, and especially anyone that's moved away somewhere or, you know, sort of got out of their hometown. It, it's a thing where I used to just sit there almost like vibrating at home because it was just, there was nothing to do. And I've got, I, I guess on hindsight now, looking back at it is because I just wanted to do as much as I could. And I never thought I would ever do it. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I never thought I'd ever do what I never thought I'd have a barbershop. I never thought I would do bands that are doing this sort of thing. You know, I don't think anyone ever predicts what they are going to do in the long term. But in terms of the shop, it's a it, it's very rewarding because you can make people happy. You can change people's days. It's kind of it's almost like I'm a therapist and a barber. I, I just I only get paid for one. But it's a, uh, you know, I, I do enjoy talking to people. And also I've got a lot of life experience and I kind of have sometimes people come in and they can be really down and then all of a sudden, oh, what's up? And not everyone wants to talk, but it's definitely, if I, I feel like, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but I do feel like if I could, you know, change someone's day, then I've done some sort of good job. You know, even if it's just one, it, it's, I enjoy it. And I, it is a very, very, I, I'm very lucky to be able to say I love my job because, 99% of people cannot say that and I don't love it all the time because it is a job you know I, I hate it when people I used to work for a guy and he said oh barbering's a lifestyle I was like no it's a fucking job man like you know it's like anything you love good days you love bad days but it's a job like and I, I think that's yeah it, it's there's good times and bad times with it but it's like yesterday for example I was worried about it my, my cat was in the vets yesterday and I was pretty worried about her like um and it was i was a bit ill over the weekend just a little cold nothing bad but i was kind of recovering from that yesterday and i woke up yesterday morning was like oh i do not want to go in today you know i just want to stay in bed and do nothing but once i got there um the first cut uh, it was she was a a real nervous sort of young young queer girl she's only just come out she's indian she was saying about how she's just had her first tattoo recently and her parents almost disowned her over it and it was a very much like she was a very nervous girl and i sort of i felt a bit shit yesterday morning and felt that she picked up on it a bit so when she sat down i just said look i just want to warn you like my I'm not I'm I'm not feeling great today. I was like, I've got this on that on that one. And I think by just saying that to her, she was sort of a bit more like, Oh, okay. And then we had a great conversation and at the end of that haircut, I felt better, she felt better, and like everyone's a winner, right? <laughs> you know, it's it's I mean I saw you must have not been long after that. Yeah, like, a couple of hours after that, know, yeah. Like a couple of hours after that, and you were not like you were Jimmy, you were you didn't seem yeah. down to me at all. You yeah. were on from 
power of conversation you know like yes it, re- it really can help yeah. you know you you were yeah, vulnerable and i think being open about it yeah I think a few years ago, I probably would have just been arsy. You know, a few years ago, I probably just would have had the ump and I would have just got on with it. And I think that's why, you know, it's just trying to change the things. Like I was saying earlier, trying to see the patterns of stuff, trying to see, like, why am I feeling like this? How can I change the way I'm feeling like this? And I do find just just opening up about being vulnerable is a good way to get people go, okay. Because, I mean, someone coming in the shop, if you've never been in and you walk in and you see me and Buck, you'd be like, oh, my God. <laughs> who are these who are these bruisers that are behind the chair? But I, once you get to know us, you know, yeah, we're just, we're just kind of, I don't know, just normal, I don't know, people, I guess. But no, anyways, that's the one thing. Yeah, that's true. I, think- I guess not normal, maybe not normal, but... I, I think you have to like, think like there's just no overconfident ego. I think everyone needs an ego. I think ego is important in terms of your personality. It's in, ter- in terms of important. It's important in confidence. It's important to if you get on stage and don't have an ego, you're not going to get far. It's how you use it. And that's saying that I never want to seem up my own ass and I never want to seem like overconfident. But I, I think, you know, using an ego in a right way. Is, is important it's just figuring out which way that is you know your openness and your vulnerability kind of going full circle is what makes people have that good experience in that exchange with you you know and that's why you put people at ease because that, that energy is being exchanged and you're either coming down to their level so they feel comfortable or they're maybe matching yours and come you're, you're bringing them up so it's that kind of leveling out of the energy that then kind of invites the conversation and then puts everybody at ease and that's a real skill and I definitely feel that that's a real skill that barbers hairdressers chiropodists I would say dentists but then they've got no one they can talk to back so but it's a real skill that yeah. I had <laughs> can I tell you something terrible about dentists yeah <laughs> can I tell- you guys are gonna lose so apparently dentists can tell if you give a lot of blowjobs because it creates <laughs> from the top of your mouth. And I'm like, how Amazing. many are sitting there with like a married man being like, you definitely give too many You, blows. my friend, you, my friend. <laughs> That's not where I started. <laughs> you to go with that. But also, my sister's like the dentist, so I'm going to have to ask him this now if that is true. <laughs> Give me a shout. Let me know about this. Cause I, if, I don't know if there's a way to tell that from doing hair, but I'll try and figure it out. <laughs> oh, my God. That is brilliant. That is brilliant. I only found that out recently, and I was like, oh, my God, that is too much information. <laughs> I just think every dentist now, I'm, never, I'm just going to look at them all in a different way. <laughs> What the dentist knows. Yeah. <laughs> That's the next podcast. Like. <laughs> we need a dentist on here, Fiona. <laughs> that Don't worry. I know lots of dentists. I do. But yeah, that, that yeah. <laughs> so I feel like uh, on that bombshell of how do barbers know uh, what they know from your hair, um, I, I can't believe that we've, yeah, time just flies when we when we get talking and oh wow um, yeah yeah it really does and what an amazing conversation and um i 
I can really feel that energy that you must create on stage and in, in those full and empty rooms and sitting in the barber's chair. So thank you. Thanks so much for, <laughs> for sharing all of that and being vulnerable with us and open with us as well. Um, oh, no so worries. yeah, thank no you so worries. much it's for pleasure. me. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Um, Karila, over to you for your, your question. Yeah, I'd like to just say that I feel like what I've learned from this episode is that conversation gives life force energy. Yeah. You know, and that like the conversing you're doing is in the barbershop, giving you the energy to have three bands. And it's I'm going to keep that with me because I'm like, next time I need energy, I'm going to go and have conversation with somebody. So thank you for that. Um, And... Uh, the next, the the final question is, who should we speak to next? Oh, that's a good shout. I mean, is this a kind of like anyone that I know sort of thing, or is this a kind of like just... We trust the flow. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting question. I think, I mean, I reckon get a tattooist on. I reckon get some sort Uh, of tattooist. Now, there's a lot of people that could... uh, I mean, Brighton, you're you're absolutely swamped with tattoos. But I'd say I'd say go around and have a, have a little look. I mean, I've, I know so many, but I'm trying to think of any that would be. Uh, I don't know. This one, of, I'm definitely sort of. I think like my mate Danny, but I don't know. I, he's done podcast a podcast before, and he was like super super. He didn't enjoy it, so I don't. I don't want to, I don't want to put him he through that. Again. He didn't enjoy this <laughs> one. It's true. I'll, I'll get. I'll, I'll have a, the next next time you're in. I'll have a think because I, I I think there's. I think a tattoo should be a good one because that's also a level of they. That's a level of vulnerability way beyond oh, yeah. a cutting hair. You know, mm-hmm. like because I mean, if I if you know if you mess up a haircut, that's going to grow back. If you mess up a tattoo, that's pressure. Like you know, I I think I'll have a think because I, 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 I know a couple that would. Yeah, and I think they they see they see people come in and you kind of, you know, you're getting tattooed and you have to go in with a bit of, maybe some people come in with bravado, maybe some people come in really nervous. Maybe, you know, I know I've had different ones for different tattoos, but yeah, I reckon I'll, I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to think about that because I thought I, I know so many, but I'll, I'll get back to you on that one. I'm going to have a think about tattoos to get on and I'll, I'll give you a text about it because once I know the perfect, nothing's springing to mind at the moment, but once I know the perfect one, I think I'll know it, you know? I think that'd be a lot because tattooing and barbering, you know, there's there's an old saying, those people who can't tattoo barber. So we'll <laughs> <laughs> I also love you, Jimmy, to come to the Life Force Cafe. So the Life Force Cafe is a place where people go deeper with the guests. And the guests can okay, either do yeah. a workshop or they can do a QA and just like answer questions and, and it's like a deeper it's like an extension of the conversation. So at some point okay, this year. Yeah. We'll and maybe cafe. you can share some of your music as well. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. Some uplifting tunes or a I'll playlist. Do an acoustic synth session. Do a playlist. <laughs> for, like, for energy up. <laughs> I, I could definitely do that. There's the shop playlist. If you ever go on Spotify, check out the shop playlist. Just type Jimmy's Barbershop in, and the playlist is called "It's Still Summer, library. Mate." We're adding that to the Life yeah. Force Cafe library today. <laughs> do it because it's it's about 600 and something songs it's about four days worth of music so you won't get bored <laughs> and it's called it's still summer mate because it's summer is my favorite time of year so i was like this playlist is every song that makes me think of summer 
So that's the one. I love it. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> Thank you so much for being vulnerable and coming on. May the life force be with you. No worries. It's been, I had no idea what to expect, but it's been really fun. Yeah, really fun. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. May the life force be with you all. Have fun and thank you very much. And I'll see you for a haircut in a few weeks. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think I need to start shaving my head. You absolutely do. Jimmy's Barbers is the best place to be. (laughs) Did you have fun with Jimmy? Is it so much fun? Is it as much fun as it sounds when you go? It is. Like I literally go. I do not need to get my head shaved. I could shave it myself. I go because I have so much fun talking to Jimmy and Buck and the other barbers. You, it tops up your life for us. I love it. it really does. And I love that he came on. Like he was like, "This is so out of my comfort zone," and I love that he did it. But then what he said about, you know, vulnerability, uh, energy that you pick up from, you know, other people when you're in that crowd and you're on the stage, but also then how you have to give so much when on tour and give so much so that you can create that atmosphere, that, you know, electricity, you literally are charging the power in the room. You know what it's like when you go to a gig and everybody's just in the same vibe together. It's magic. It takes a lot to create that. Yeah. And it, you know, he, like, he has so much life force energy. I mean, how do you have three bands and a whole business? Like, how do you have time for that? (laughs) That is for sure. And so we'll need to make sure that we share access to his music to everybody. Yeah. I love his playlist as well. It's like, what was it? It's like, uh, this is still summer. Something like that in the life force cafe. Yes, <laughs> you know, just just on, on on sort of closing reflection. It's it's so interesting when you meet people that literally do have that. You know, he says he loves summer, like kind of ray of sunshine that goes with them. You know, you talk about yeah. a vibe and the energy that people bring into a room, and mm. you know, you get the vampires who suck the energy out, or you get the givers, and Jimmy's definitely a giver. <laughs> oh my god, he is such a giver. It's just like he is Jimmy, the ray of sunshine, the punk rock ray of sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, it's brilliant. Well, thanks for bringing your the the singing barber. <laughs> to our podcast it was so much fun and uh, we'll see you all again soon everyone may the life force be with you <laughs> we hope this conversation has topped up your life force energy if it has then please help us spread the life force like share subscribe all of that <laughs> and may the life force be with all